This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A T L A S S I A N.com. Atlassian. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single myth about Typhon. Today's episode combines elements from a number of legends and stories about this king of monsters for dramatic effect, and to show how truly terrifying and unstoppable this god beast was. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and you're listening to Mythical Monsters, a ParCast original. Each week, we explore the monstrous side of myth and legend by discussing the beasts that populate some of our favorite tales. By shining a light on these creatures' origins, we hope to better understand how and why they've managed to wreak havoc on our heroes and play upon our greatest fears. Last week, we brought you the tale of the griffin, a terrifying hybrid of a lion and eagle, a guardian of gold and symbol for warlords throughout the centuries. The griffin was simultaneously an uncontrollable beast and a badge of power. Be sure to check out the episode if you haven't already. Today, we're discussing another hybrid horror, Typhon. Part man, part monstrous amalgamation. His thighs are said to have been made of snakes, and his back covered in feathers and wings. A denizen of pure evil, Typhon was created for the sole purpose of sowing chaos, and has often been called the father of all monsters. To keep up with Mythical Monsters, visit Spotify. There you can also dive into any of ParCast's other originals. The monsters of the Greek canon have terrified us for centuries. The Sphinx punished those who answered her riddles wrong. Cerberus snarled with his three heads. Hydra terrorized those who ventured in the water. But more terrifying than any of these beasts is the thing that made them. Typhon, also called Typhius or Typhus, among other names, is known as the father of all monsters. He and his mate, the snake woman Echidna, are responsible for populating ancient Greece with some of the most famous adversaries that storytelling has ever known. 
born from Mother Earth herself, Gia and Tartarus, a personification of the underworld, Typhon was both a god and a nightmare. While he was said to be part man, his body was a twisted combination of creatures. His legs were a wriggling mass of coiled snakes. His hair was matted and dirty. Immense wings stretched from his back, and his eyes burned literal fire. Typhon's grotesque form provided many terrifying defenses. Some stories say he possessed multiple heads and a war cry so terrible that it could stun his victims. Others spoke of dragon heads in his arms that would spit poisonous venom onto his opponents. Typhon's first appearance in Greek mythology comes from around the 8th century BCE, when he was briefly mentioned in Homer's Iliad. In the 7th century, the Greek poet Hesiod expanded on Typhon's legend in the Theogony, an epic poem that explored the origins of the universe and Zeus's triumph over the Titans. Hesiod's poem depicts Typhon as a primary antagonist for Zeus, who's trying to restore order to the cosmos under his new rule. Typhon represents the antithesis to that order. He's a being of pure chaos, with no motivation besides wreaking havoc. Even Typhon's appearance is all over the place, as though his form was created as an accumulation of our worst fears. He was a shepherd of fear and chaos, created for the sole purpose of destruction. At the bottom of Mount Othrys, Gia, the mother of the earth, watched tearfully as the majestic Olympians fought her 12 Titan children. The Titans were giants, a glorious race of powerful leaders, but they were losing badly. Zeus, the god of thunder, looked up at her and smiled as the Titans fell back. His barrel chest was thrust out and his luscious hair streamed in the wind as he threw his vibrant lightning bolts into the center of the Titan's formation. The sky illuminated like fireworks as he threw bolt after bolt. He said, you thought yourself so powerful, so capable. You were the building blocks of the universe, the sky and the void and the ocean and the earth. And yet, here we are, ready to defeat you. We are power. We are the universe. Olympus is the future, not you. The other Olympians, Zeus's siblings, gathered together and used their energies to open a deep, ragged pit in the earth. It led to the center of the underworld, to Tartarus's domain. Tears streamed down Gia's cheeks as she watched her children fall. She cried out to Zeus, "'Oh, merciful father, do not do this. You are beautiful, so beautiful. My grandson, I produce only trees and rocks and streams. They pale in comparison to what my daughter, Rhea, produced when she gave birth to you. Grant me, your grandmother Earth, this boon. Spare my children.'" 
He did not even for a moment take into account her heartfelt plea. He laughed and said, Grandmother, only in name. I don't recall bouncing on your knee or warming myself by your fire. I remember only your son, Cronus, my father in name only, swallowing me. We languished in darkness for eons. Now let my father and all his brothers do the same. She slowly knelt to lay her head against the warm soil. She could feel the earth, the trees, the animals, the bustle of the villages nearby. The daily pulse of the world usually gave her strength, but today it was not enough to quell her pain. As the Olympians battled the Titans, one of them paused. It was Hermes, the messenger of the gods. He hovered in the air on his winged feet, his face full of pity as he watched Gia mourn. She wanted to cry out to him, to ask him to spare her children from Zeus's wrath, but it was too late. Zeus let out a wild yell as a brilliant flash erupted from his open palms. The bolt of lightning struck the titans, knocking them off their feet and into the pit below. Gia gasped as she watched her children tumble into the darkness. Her chest tightened as one of her son's hands reached out of the hole toward her. The earth moaned as the hole began to close. With a wail of grief, Gia tore herself from her stupor and began to run toward it. Gia took a flying leap toward the hole. If her children were to leave this world, then so would she. But instead of falling into the black depths of the underworld, her body hit the hard earth. The pit had closed and her children were gone. As Gia looked up at Zeus, her pain turned to fury. Her lip curled as she threatened, you will pay for what you have done. But Zeus merely looked down at her with a cocky smile before turning to his Olympian siblings. The Titans were no more. Now it was the Olympians who would rule in their stead. Gia's eyes narrowed as Zeus and the other gods took to the sky. They might have won the battle, but she would see to it they did not win the war. Gia traveled into the very depths of the underworld. It was a grim place, hot and full of screams from beasts and men alike. It couldn't have been more unlike Gia's earth with its peaceful thrum of life. Here, there was only death. Soon Gia stood in a vast hall facing her brother Tartarus, the lord of the underworld and god of the abyss. His head was covered in horns and his eyes were the deepest black. He sat on a throne of skulls and snakes, an immovable dweller of the darkness. 
Gia knelt before Tartarus and begged him to release her children. Tartarus gazed at his sister, deep in thought. Unlike Gia, he was thrilled that a change in guard had occurred. He was immensely powerful, almost as revered as Gia herself, and yet he had never been respected by her condescending, tightened children. But as Gia sobbed, an idea occurred to him. His horrifying mouth stretched into a thin smile. Perhaps there was something they could do to make this situation a little more entertaining. He gently lifted Gia's chin with a talon and said, I cannot let your children go, but I can help you create another. Together, we shall make a beast so powerful, he will punish those who have wronged you. Gia looked into his cold eyes. Her grief and anger surged through her, mixing together with a new intensity. Tartarus was right. It was revenge she needed. Coming up, Gia and Tartarus create a monstrosity to take revenge on Zeus. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. Gia had watched her 12 children imprisoned in the underworld by the leader of the Olympians, Zeus. She journeyed to the god of the abyss, her brother Tartarus, to beg for their release. But Tartarus did not want to let the Titans go. He was pleased that they were prisoners of his domain. Instead, he suggested a plan for revenge. As Gia knelt before him, he told her that together they could conceive a child that was so fierce, even Zeus would succumb to its power. Greek mythology is often compared to that of the ancient Romans, but historian Herodotus famously used Greek gods' names when referring to Egyptian gods in his writings, The Histories. It's a sign that Herodotus believed that much of Greek mythology had its roots in Egyptian beliefs. Though Typhon is well known in the Greek lexicon, there's evidence that he has an older ancestor, the Egyptian god Set or Seth. Set also engaged in a fierce battle with his brother Osiris as he attempted to seize power. Like Typhon and Zeus, Osiris and Set represent a battle for good and evil. Though unlike Typhon, Set was later worshipped as the god of war. The major differences between Typhon and Set lie in their creation stories. 
Set was originally known as a benevolent god, but as his brother Osiris's story became popularized around the 16th century BC, mythology surrounding Set became more focused on his evil nature. This polarization reminds us that every story is only as good as its villain. The ancient Greeks found that villain in Typhon, a creature of such primordial horror that he alone stood as a nemesis to Zeus. Gia desperately wanted her children back, but after pleading with Tartarus for the Titan's release, Gia finally agreed to Tartarus's plan for revenge. If she could not get her children back, then at least she could create another. Gia became pregnant immediately after laying with Tartarus. Within hours, she was groaning in pain as she pushed her newborn son out into the world. Gia stifled a scream as she beheld the creature that had burst from her womb. He was enormous, a full-grown man covered in feathers, with snakes twirling about his thighs. No, the snakes were his thighs. He stood, appearing to grow even faster. Soon he filled the great hall, his head touching the very top of the earth above him. His eyes opened, revealing fiery red flames. His long hair swam with creatures, and the heads of dragons lifted from his arms. Their black tongues flicked with fury. Gia stared at this monstrosity that she had birthed. She searched for any sign of intelligence or wisdom amidst his violent appearance. But all she could sense was evil coming off him in waves. But her heart yearned to love him anyway. He was her child and he could do great things. Great and terrible. Gia's gaze became loving as she addressed her newborn. Your name will be Typhon. You were created after the god of thunder, Zeus, cast down your brothers and sisters and took control of the cosmos. What is it you would like to do? Typhon screamed with passion as the fire in his eyes flared. Then he spoke in a voice so deep, it felt like it echoed within Gia's chest. Destroy Zeus. Blissfully unaware of the impending danger, the Olympian gods celebrated their victory over the Titans at their home on Mount Olympus. The sun sparkled over a pristine garden at the mountain's top. Pools of water glistened as the gods and goddesses frolicked, drinking wine and laughing. Only Hermes stood apart. He was the messenger of the gods, but also the guide to the underworld. He was connected to the grim hellscape, and somehow he sensed that all was not well there. 
Zeus noticed Hermes' grave face and strode over to ask, Son, what ails you? Come, have some ambrosia and celebrate. Hermes rolled his eyes and said, Oh, father, really? Do eons of celebration not bore you? I travel the cosmos and see incredible things while you sit on your throne. How much ambrosia before you decide to actually do something with your power? Zeus was furious, but had a soft spot for all of his children. He said, I fought for you. All of this I earned for my children. You would not exist, and the world would still be full of titans if it was not for my power. Hermes smiled. He could now more clearly sense what was arising from Tartarus. Oh, his father would soon see the results of his power. But before Hermes could say anything more, a shadow passed over the garden. Zeus looked up, and his confident grin quickly faded. For standing at the gilded entrance to the Olympian's domain was a creature that shocked even the god of thunder. The creature was Typhon. The dragons on his arms hissed and spit a fiery venom. The snake's scales glinted, illuminated by the burning fire in his eyes. The earth shook as he stepped forward. The Olympians backed away in fright. They were powerful beings, but in the face of pure evil, they felt very small. All of them, that is, except for Zeus. Recovered from his initial shock, Zeus strode forward, a lightning bolt clutched in his hand. He addressed the towering demon in a confident voice. I do not know who you are, but I am Zeus, king of the gods, and you will return to the hellish lair you crawled out of. Typhon roared with laughter as he said, but it is hell itself I came from. Without warning, a torrent of hot flames spewed from Typhon's eyes. All the Olympians but Zeus scattered. They took to the skies as birds, or burrowed into the ground as rodents, or scampered off through the gardens as wildcats. Typhon watched them go. He longed to rip them limb from limb, to taste their celestial blood on his tongue. But as he faced Zeus, his mother's need for revenge echoed in his ears. Power surged through him, and he grew even taller. His head almost touched the stars. Zeus sent a bolt of lightning into Typhon's chest, but he absorbed the blow easily. Zeus bellowed in anger and grew in size to match Typhon's height. His hands stretched out wide, ready to gather the elements to his fingertips. But Typhon's speed was as great as his size. Snakes shot out of his thighs to sink their teeth 
into the back of Zeus's legs. The king of the gods roared in agony as the snakes retracted, pulling with them the tendons of his muscles. Zeus shrunk in stature and crumpled to the ground. More snakes shot out and bit into his hands. Their fangs ripped the tendons from his hands as well, then slithered back to nestle in the mammoth legs of their master. If Typhon could smile, he would have, for the masterful god that had destroyed his half-siblings, the Titans, was now nothing but a pitiful, trembling weakling. And he, Typhon, now had free reign. He would kill Zeus, and then he would watch the world burn. Suddenly, Hermes swooped from the sky to grab Zeus by the hair. Typhon roared and unleashed a ball of fire at the messenger god. But Hermes dodged and rose higher until he and Zeus were beyond the monster's reach. Typhon's eyes burned with fury as he watched his victim disappear. Then he looked down at Zeus's tendons shimmering in his hand. If Zeus wanted his tendons back, he would have to enter his domain to retrieve them. The beasts within Typhon's hair growled. Their thirst for blood had not yet been quenched. Typhon felt rage boiling up within him. He too had a need that had not yet been satisfied, the need to destroy. On his way back to the underworld, Typhon satisfied his urges by wreaking havoc. His eyes burned landscapes. His dragon arms spat deadly venom onto the backs of animals, and his massive feet flattened pitiful humans as they ran. He had been built for revenge. His entire body trembled with his need to rip the world apart. Gia waited for her son in the vast hall of the underworld. She hoped he would bring news that Zeus was destroyed. It would mean Typhon was now the ruler of the cosmos. The thought gave her pause. The Titans had been effective, brutal, but wise. And she was uncertain that Typhon cared for anything more than chaos. She shook the thought off. She would simply have to give him more guidance. But as she waited, she felt a pain in her head. A chill ran down her spine. Something was not right with the Earth, her Earth. She closed her eyes and was able to see the world in its entirety. Villages crumbling, scorched land, and a sky so black that one could not see the stars. Gia was horrified. The place shook as Typhon returned. Gia's face was full of sadness as she addressed him. Son, what have you done? You were supposed to kill Zeus, not burn the world. 
Typhon answered with a furious roar before turning away from her. His mother's face went cold as she said, "'What good are you then if not to destroy that which needs to be obliterated?' Typhon seethed, but his fury was interrupted by a low hiss." He turned to see a beautiful woman standing in the darkness. Her cold black eyes stared at him as she stepped forward, revealing that below her waist was a serpent's tail. Gia nodded to her. This is Echidna. Tartarus and I created her for you, for a reward. But you do not deserve one. Echidna, go back to Tartarus. Typhon needs to understand what he has done. Typhon snarled at Gia and said, Take your orders elsewhere, mother. Gia stared at her son with a jolt of panic. She had created him, but she now realized that she could not control him. Gia slowly departed, leaving Echidna and Typhon alone. Echidna slunk over to Typhon, her movement seductive and eerie. A finger beckoned him to her as he snarled with primal passion. And then he was on her, his fury over Zeus momentarily forgotten as the two monstrous beings disappeared into the shadows, locked in a passionate embrace. At that very moment, Hermes was creeping along a thin, winding tunnel that led to Tartarus's domain. Hermes served as a guide to the underworld, bringing those who wished to have an audience with the great Tartarus. But today, he was an intruder. He was terrified, but he needed Zeus's tendons, or the Olympians stood no chance against Typhon. Though he was no fan of his father, he had not expected what a horrible thing Typhon would be. Surely anything was preferable to a universe ruled by that monster. Hermes crept into the hall. The ferocious sound of Typhon and Echidna lying together in the shadows drew his attention, but Hermes relaxed slightly when he realized that Typhon was distracted. Hermes' eyes fell on the tendons, lying forgotten near the edge of the shadowy corner where Typhon and Echidna were occupied. The god dashed over and grabbed them. As soon as his hands closed around their sinewy mass, he turned to flee, but he was stopped in his tracks. Gia stood before him, watching him with her piercing eyes. Hermes had been found. Coming up, a weakened Zeus fights to regain control of the universe. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. 
With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now back to the story. Typhon had nearly defeated Zeus. He'd taken the God of Thunder's tendons, severely inhibiting his ability to fight. He was about to kill him when the messenger god Hermes flew in and carried Zeus away. Rather than follow, Typhon returned to the underworld with the tendons to debate his next move. There, he was delighted to find a new creature to play with, Echidna, a snake woman his mother Gia had created for him. But while Typhon lay with Echidna, Hermes once again gained the upper hand. Hermes used his knowledge of Tartarus's realm to sneak into the depths of the earth and steal back Zeus's tendons. But just as his hand closed around his prize, he found himself face to face with Typhon's mother, Gia. Many of the monsters in Greek mythology were the children of gods, as were many famous heroes. Whether the child was to be good or evil was often determined by the circumstances in which they were conceived. Monsters were typically created in darkness during fits of rage. Typhon was conceived while his mother, Gia, lusted for revenge. When he lay with Echidna, it was in the darkness while on the warpath. Their coupling would produce some of the most horrific beasts in all of Greek mythology. Creatures like the hellhound Cerberus, the many-headed Hydra, the Chimera, and the Sphinx. These children were as varied as they were horrible, reflecting the variety of beasts that made up Typhon's body. They would terrorize humanity and battle the heroic children of the gods for centuries. Like all parents, Typhon and Echidna would be proud of creating in their image. Hermes' heart raced as he faced Gia. The mother of the earth was far more powerful than he was. If she wished to punish him, she could do so with ease. But Gia instead looked toward the shadows where her monstrous son lay with another of her ghastly creations. She now knew very well what demon she had made. He was pure rage and instinct, and she had been a fool to think she could control him. Once he was done with Zeus, she feared he would destroy that which she loved above all else, the earth itself. So she turned to Hermes and whispered, Go. Hermes wasted no time. He flew up through the underworld to the earth above. 
He sped up when he heard a primal roar from below. Typhon was coming. Moments later, Typhon burst from the ground, sending rock debris sailing into the sky. His size grew larger as he emerged. His wings stretched wide, blocking out the sun and casting darkness across the land. The creatures that writhed around on his body wailed as he strode angrily toward Mount Olympus. On his way, Typhon once again lay waste to all that stood in his path. His fury was so great, so uncontrollable, that it blinded him. All he could do was destroy. Typhon soon found himself standing at the base of Mount Olympus. His breath came out hot and rancid as he stared up at the mountain's peak. He struck the mountain with one of his enormous hands. Rocks tumbled and the very mountain itself shook in protest. He was about to strike again when a lightning bolt struck him in the chest. Typhon staggered back and looked up. Zeus stared down at him from atop the celestial mountain. With the return of his tendons, the king of the gods had been restored to his full strength. The sun shone at his back and a strong wind whipped his hair. He seemed to glow with immense power. Typhon screamed in fury. Another bolt hit Typhon in the torso. It barely made an impact on the huge monstrosity, but soon a slew of lightning bolts rained down, one after the other, until one of them hit Typhon directly in the head. Typhon was stunned. He tried to regain his footing, but the bolts were unrelenting. Five more sailed through the air, finding their mark in his temple. Typhon was bewildered. His legs of snakes hung limp, and the monsters in his hair fell from his shoulders. The earth shook as they hit the ground. Typhon tried to stay on his feet, but the earthquake was growing more fierce by the moment. He turned to see an enormous hole forming in the ground, a pit to Tartarus's domain. But this time, it wasn't Zeus's doing. Gia stood at the edge of the widening hole with tears in her eyes. Typhon was her child, but so was the very ground that she stood upon. She had made her choice. Typhon's eyes widened with fury as he realized that it was Gia who was opening the hole in the earth. He opened his mouth to unleash a ferocious scream. Another thunderbolt struck Typhon's skull. He staggered forward and fell. His writhing snake legs hissed, his dragon head screamed with fury, and Typhon 
tumbled into darkness. The earth closed, sealing the pit forever. Gia fell to her knees, exhausted from the effort. Her son was gone, but the earth was safe. Back on Olympus, Hermes rolled his eyes at his boasting father. Zeus was surrounded by all the other gods who had returned to congratulate him. Zeus said, any who would challenge the might of Olympus will meet the same fate. Hermes interjected saying, but father, you were only able to protect us through my cunning. All of the gods fell silent at his impudence. Zeus stepped forward, a stern look on his face. He placed a massive hand on his son's shoulder. Then he smiled and said, Indeed, once again I prove my superiority to the Titans. I don't swallow my children. I let them do as they please. Zeus sent Typhon back to the underworld by trapping him in the deep pit. Over his grave, he placed a mountain to ensure that Typhon would never again stalk Earth or threaten the gods in Olympus above. According to some accounts, the battle between Zeus and Typhon lasted for thousands of years and left untold destruction in its wake. But while Typhon was defeated, he was not killed. Today, earthquakes plague the region, and the mountain that conceals him, Mount Etna, is still one of the world's most active volcanoes. Typhon's name has become synonymous with disaster. The root of the word, typhoon, can be attributed to him and poets and histories throughout the centuries have continued to spin narratives about his cruelty. Even today, he appears as a villain in modern retellings of Greek mythology, such as the popular Percy Jackson series. But first, he was a villain to Zeus. Their battle was one of the great heavyweight matches in Greek mythology, the King of Monsters versus the King of the Gods. Typhon was the last great obstacle that stood in the way of Zeus's reign and the rise of the Olympians. It also marked the dawn of a new era, with the Olympians in charge of the cosmos. Unlike the Titans, the gods would come to be seen not as distant forces, but beings whose lives were intertwined with those of mortals. The Greeks looked to them for guidance, support, and intervention at a time when their footing in the world was growing more sure. In this sense, Zeus's victory over Typhon wasn't just an abstract depiction of good conquering evil, but a representation of the way the world of the Greeks was becoming less chaotic. But while chaos was down for the count, that didn't mean it was defeated for good. Before he lost the battle with Zeus, Typhon seeded his mate with monsters that would plague the Olympians for centuries to come. Typhon's true legacy is his children. And just like their father, they would take pleasure in sowing chaos and destruction as long as there were Greek poets to tell their stories. 
fathers and their children are a major theme throughout Greek mythology. The conflict in these stories is perpetuated by the Titans' fear of their children, the Olympians, and then the Olympians' fear of their new siblings, the monsters. But the Olympians still always come out on top, perhaps because, though they fight amongst each other, they are still a family. The monsters, sadly, have only the pit. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Vanessa Richardson.